Nobody ain't got to convince me of what I do. I do what I do because I do what I do because I'm built from something. And man didn't create it. Welcome to the hottest podcast in the Central Valley, Home Team Podcast. Welcome, welcome to the first episode of Home Team Podcast. Today's guest is Kerman High School's very own Tim Hurt. Tim, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Now, Tim, uh, for for those who don't know you, uh, give me a little background on yourself. Um, I'm a uh, fifth generation to be in Kerman. Um, I'm actually the third generation to be at the high school. My grandpa played there. My mom played there. I did, and and now my kids are there. Just graduated daughter, and um, I played. I played four years there, and then I went on to Fresno City College and played, and had opportunities to go past that, and decided that uh, raising family was more important to me at the time, and and giving back to the community. And then uh, after a little time off, I decided to uh, jump in the reins of coaching again. I had a little bit of help with that. Uh, every couple of years, someone trying to shove me in that direction. Uh, you might know who that is, but um, I've been here ever since. It's going on year, year nine, I think. Now, you say your family has history here at Kerman High School. Uh, I know a little bit of it. You had some sisters that were very successful going through there. And just recently, you know, like you said, a daughter. Uh, tell me a little bit about your sisters. Um, my sister, my twin sister, Kim, she played... Um, she played four years of varsity, I think, varsity volleyball, basketball, and softball. And so did my little sister, Kristen. And uh, Kim went on to play uh, volleyball at uh, Kings River. And then Kristen, when she graduated, she played one year at, at Kings River. And then she played the next three at Fresno Pacific. And one of them held the scoring title, if I'm correct? Yes, my, my little sister, Kristen, held the scoring title for both boys and girls. Wow, what a feat. And your daughter broke those records? Um, that record was broken. Um, the boys' record and girls' record was broken by David Rico uh, back in 16. Uh, maybe it was actually 17. Yeah, it was 17. And then, um, yes, my daughter passed that record uh, last year. So she holds both the boys and the girls and she holds the single seat, the single game record of uh, 50 points. Wow. So safe to say she's the best? She's the best female, yes. <laughs> <laughs> good answer, good answer. Um, so get, getting into your coaching career, um, how did that fall into place for you? Well, you know, I had an opportunity to, to, to be an assistant coach for a while uh, with David uh, Backholden at the high school. And we were coaching together in JV for a while. And then I went up and helped him at the varsity here and there as I could. I uh, had, a, had a young one, a baby. So I kind of stepped away a year before he retired. And then, um, I don't know, there had to have been three or four coaches involved. I mean, maybe three coaches involved. Uh, you might be one of those. And, um, you know, uh, and there was one of those times where I, I wanted to step in it. I'm not sure if I wanted to do it. And then, of course, you kept nagging at me. <laughs> you know, you need to throw your throw your throw yourself into the role. And then I said, well, let's see. And then as my kids were getting older, I was told, you know, you have to be on campus coaching before your kid gets there. 
So I said, you know, I better get in there before my daughter gets there. And um, so I, I jumped in and I was an assistant for uh, Shannon Taylor and then eventually ended up being the interim coach after that. And then, uh, you know, here I am. I was back in 13 and been there ever since. Now, I remember that year when you took over for Coach Taylor and uh, I still don't know how you do it or how you did it. You know, that group, uh, I didn't see a whole lot in that group, but I wasn't coaching it. But somehow, some way, he won some games with them. And that's probably the best uh, coaching job I've ever seen so far in basketball. Yeah, that was a, that was a different team. That was, a, I want to say, 12. He kept 12 out of 15 seniors. And then um, when he left, we were, I think, 3-9. and nine. And uh, I was pretty much told, uh, this is your interview. So I was handed a bunch of kids that um, I didn't spend the summer with. I didn't get to them until <clears throat> right before we started the um, season. And uh, I took over that day. They all wanted a boycott. They didn't want to play that game. And I said, hey, look, you know, you're either going to, we have to, we have to feel the varsity team. So you're either going to play or I'm going to pull the whole JV team up. And I kind of laid the line down with them, said, this is how it's going to run. And then uh, I had to coach the next night. We got throttled by Washington Union, 82 to 22. And uh, I'll never forget that game. That was the game Peterson told me, uh, you got to get better. <laughs> and that was his words to me. And uh, after that, I just got the kids to buy in. And, you know, we won. We went nine and three and made the playoffs. Speaking about buying in, uh, what's the hardest part about getting them to buy in? Um, the, getting the kids to, to feel you believe in them. You know, that, and that's my thing is, is positivity. I, I try to stay positive with them, but I give them structure. They've got to have some kind of structure. I mean, I want to tell them you did a great job, but I'm also going to tell you when you didn't do well. But I'm also not going to point you out in front of people. I'm going to talk to you about it so you don't, you know, throw up a wall with me. And uh, most of the time that's worked out. We've got a few here and there that just, they buckle the system. Yeah. And that's just, I don't know if that's how they, they were brought up or, or, or what, but... I do my best. Uh, not everybody can uh, adjust to the old old school coaching. Yeah, that's that's still the best way, honest and and straightforward. Um, so, what would you rather have on a team? Team full of talented uh, players or a bunch of hard workers? Um, I would like a bunch of seven footers. That would work <laughs> well for me. <laughs> you know, I, I had this conversation um, on the way to club practice. I want to say it was yesterday. Matter of fact, it was yesterday, and we were talking about um, Ezra Mentrin. I had his um, I had his little brother in the car. We were heading up to club in Fresno, and I said, you know, that 2018 team might go down as one of the best teams, but it might not be one of the most talented teams. And um, the thing about that team, and the, and they'll tell you, is they didn't care who scored. Um, they just knew each other well. I had them early on when they were younger and played together. They played all summer. You know, people talk about a long season. You play 30-some games if you're lucky in a, in, a, in a school year. But we played somewhere between 90 to 100 in the summer. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't make it through those summers without my wife. And she, man, she'd be all over me all summer long. But um, she's my biggest supporter. That's good. I got a little bit, little stats on your uh, career here. Uh, so it looks like turnaround season was like the 14-15 season. Am I correct? Yeah, I think that's uh, our first 21 season. 20 and 8. 
seven to three, took second in league. Mm -hmm. And then from there was nothing but but high sailing. 15, 16, 20 and eight, 10 and 0 in league. 16, 17, 23 and nine, 10 and 0 in league. Uh, got to the semis against Madera South and played in a state game against Modesto Christian. Yeah. 17, 18. Actually, it was Central Catholic. Central Catholic. Then 17, 18, 29 and 4, 10 and 0, your third straight 10 and 0 league season. Um, run through the playoffs, have an exciting double overtime game against Foothill at home, beat Bakersfield Christian at Sound Arena, and then you play a state game against Riverside Christian. 18, 19, 20 and 12, 8 and 1. I don't know if you can call that a letdown year or not since going 10 and 0 three straight years, but. You bring the first ever state game, I believe, to Kerman? Yes. And not just one, but two? Uh, no, we only had one that Did year. You only played one? We had one. We beat uh, we beat the King, uh, Western Christian. Western Christian, and then we traveled down to Orange. And, and barely lost. Yeah. And full of points. So you have the first state game, hosted state game in Kerman in history. First state win, obviously, in probably Kerman basketball history, right? Yeah. And the first one at home, so you you went on a five year run of forty five and four, with three state appearances, three in a row. Yeah, made history obviously with the first ever win here, first ever hosted game here, um, Valley Championship. Uh, numerous times you were semis, weren't you? My my team, yeah, we were two years in a row. We were semis. We lost to Union by one point, and. Do you feel like do you feel like you are getting to the point where you're you've accomplished everything you can or do you feel like there's always something to prove even though you have numbers like that? Um well that the 2018 it, it kind of gets that little monkey off your back whether people are looking at you like you know, can you win it and you win it yeah that part of it settled a little bit but now it's now it's a little it was for a little bit like, hey, you know, that that next year we kind of started let back a little bit. And I think that hurt us in the growth of our program. Um, but now uh, I've sat down with a couple of the coaches and say, hey, you know, let's prove we can do it again. Just got to find the right mix. Um, I think we have a little bit of tools right now. So we're going to see what we can do if this season ever happens. 19 and 20 year. Kind of a building year, four freshmen, two sophomores thrown in the mix. A lot of a lot of playing time for those freshmen. You went nine and nineteen, is that correct? Yeah. Five and five. But coming off of all that, I don't know how anybody can critique uh you know, everything you've done there. Uh what do you think is your success behind all that? What do you tri contribute that to? Uh, just hard work. I mean, teaching them this is, that's something that um, I think Marty Bitter, back when we were young, really instilled in us when we were freshmen and sophomores. Um, I'm not sure that we lost a game in those two years. Um, of course, back then they didn't pull people up. Yeah. So we, you know, we were, we were really good back then. And, uh, you know, it was one of those that, well, by the time we got in the gym, that was the easiest part of practice. It was the, it was the, running miles and running miles and running stadiums and and you know, freshman year we didn't practice in the gym we practiced out on the blacktop so you know those those are the things and then we left there loving the game 
And then we would go play more somewhere else. You know, that, that Covenant Church, you know, we used to own that court every weekend. And uh, I think that's what, that's the mentality. And I, and I go back and I show those kids some of the film of when we played. And it's just like that ball went through the hoop and we're in your grill. Yeah, I remember those teams. You guys were loaded. So what's expected for this year, if it ever comes to fruition? You know, um, I think we might uh, we might be a little dark horse. I, I think we're going to surprise people, being that we're young. Um, we just went to a, a tournament up in Rockland, and um, I took two seniors, um, one junior, six sophomores, and two freshmen. And so we're young, but that freshman, sophomore group, I've been coaching them since they were in third and fourth grade. So they know what I expect out of them. And those two seniors that are up there right now that are, that are out, um, I've had them up since they were sophomores. So they're, they're, they gelled well. Uh, we played up a division and, and uh, we held our own. And for only having three days of practice, I thought we did good up there. Sounds like it's a bright future for Kermit again. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> I've been around your program. I've seen you coach up close and personal. I've been in your huddles. I've been at your practices. I've, I've heard you speak to the kids. And every coach has a, a, a thing about them, something they lay their hat on. And we just talked about what do you do to get them to buy in? What's your secret of buying in? You know, and, and, uh, and, uh, I think a lot of it, just speaking on, on my behalf, on what I've seen, is a lot of it is just you being honest with the kid. You know, I see a lot of honesty when you talk to them. Um, you don't favor them. You know, they're going to have to work and earn what they what they get. You know, and and I think now in today's age, you know, that's that's tough for a kid to swallow because, you know, they raise their voice a little, throw a little tantrum. You know, and parents usually give them what they want, and uh, I. I I don't know how much of that is still out there with coaches. You know, you obviously, you uh, inherited some of the throwback stuff of your coaches that you had in your past. And uh, and and the one thing that also is how much does faith play a part in you and your your coaching? Um, it's, it's the backbone. Um, one of the things that, uh, you know, I've been through in life and had a hard time. And um, when I decided if I was going to come out and coach and uh, I was doing well and I had turmoil starting up it was rough and it had, it had the devil was coming at me in all kinds of directions and my wife said to me um, he has you here there's a movie and it's um, what is it called it's called uh, uh, Facing the Giants mm. and uh, it, it's a Christian movie and it's talking about a coach that wanted, uh, and this is really what led me back into coaching and how he came in and he was, he loved the game. He wanted to coach, but he had two rough seasons and all the parents and the community wanted him out. And someone came and spoke to him and he said that, um, he told him a little story about, about farmers. And he says that two farmers, uh, there was a drought and uh, God came to him and said to prepare their fields. And one guy did, and one guy didn't. And um, who do you think had a better crop? And he says, the one that believed in God and prepared, prepared his field for rain. And he said, prepare your field for rain. 
So my theory in it was, is if I can, if I can instill something in these kids and, and sometimes you you get close to crossing the line that I try not to. So uh, th there's kids of all kinds of faith out there and, and we have a diverse community. Um, it could be in the Punjabi community um, from the Sikhs, or it could be over in a Muslim. It could be a Catholic, a Christian, doesn't matter the, the Russian. Um, it's just along the lines, I've showed interest in what they have. I mean, explain to me, I'm not, I'm not here to argue about your religion. Explain to me. I've had have had the you know, Punjabi kids tell me about the books and all the stuff that they believe in, and I like to understand that. And in turn, they feel that you you you're you care about them. And my wife told me she says, you know what, when it, when the time is right. So being an off campus coach is tough. You know, you don't you're not there to be with the kids all the time. I try to do my best to get on campus coaches to help me out. Um, but she's dead strong next to me and said, look, when it's time to go, he has other things for you to do. And I've stuck by that. And, and there's been a couple of times where I've said, Hey, I think I'm done. And she goes, he's not done with you yet. You'll know. There's no, there's no questions about it. You'll know when it's time, there's something else for you to do. So I, I just give it to him. And I've told these kids a lot, um, especially that 17, 16, 17 and 17, 18, and, you know, we pray before games. And then there's, and, and that doesn't go away. And that's, and I let every kid, you know, give the opportunity to say something and they can say it however they want. They don't have to pray to, to Jesus or to whoever it is. Just, just pray for your teammates. And um, I give everyone the opportunity to be a part of it. And during those two years, it's like, hey, we're going to pray when we, we're going to thank him when we win and we're going to thank him when we lose. And that that's helped out. Yeah. That's great stuff. Getting back to that, you said something about crossing the line. Why is it that, why is it that, you know, it, it's, I think it's fair to say that everybody knows it goes on in locker rooms, prayers before the game. You see it during football games before and after the, you know, the team's kneeling. You know, why is it that it just can't be open? Why, why do, why do you think coaches have to be afraid of crossing a line? Especially the way you're doing it, you're not you're not saying, "Hey, this is who you're going to believe in and pray to." You know, it's open to each and every one individual on the team. You know, but why do you why do you think just in general? Well, the, I think the hardest thing is is the schools face they face lawsuits. You know, they face all kinds of things, and and by allowing one thing to happen, you're almost required to allow everything to happen. And so that's what makes it difficult. And it shouldn't be that way. That's not the way our country was built. That's not the way it's been here for so long. Yeah. And um, uh, it was made on certain values and belief and the faith of God. I mean, it, it's in it's in our Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, absolutely. So I do have a hard time with um, separation of, of uh, religion and state. I have a tough thing about that because um, Without faith, that's what's screwing up our society right now. No, I, I fully believe that. Um, we're always talking about, you know, what are these kids missing today and stuff? Why aren't they getting at home, you know? And and a lot of it is that. I, I honestly believe that if they can get that, and I think if coaches, you know, and I'm not saying you they got to sit there and preach to these kids and make it a sermon or something, but I think that's the major part of getting in touch with those kids you know, and, and making them know that you're interested in them. Just like how you said, you know, teach me about your religion. 
you know, talk to me about your religion. I want to know, you know, and, uh, you know, and I think that's the right way of doing it. Now I've heard a lot of coaches say, don't get close to your players. Yeah. Do you think that's, do you think that's false or do you think you have to in order to get the buy-in? If the kid wants to play and the kid's a gamer, um, the connection will happen. Um, it just depends. I think you need to understand that you can be close to them, but more as an uncle figure. Yes. Not a buddy. Um, because as soon as you get to a buddy, then they start to open up about things that you don't want to be involved with. Or if you are involved with, you better make sure you're on the right path to steer in the right direction. Yeah. And sometimes you can let a kid that's probably not mature enough get a little too close and and that'll cause you problems. That'll they'll bite you in the rear. Now, what wears a coach down more? Losing seasons or the politics of a small town? Oh, it's always the politics. <laughs> always. It's uh you know, I kind of play that one in the middle. Um they're there whether you want to say it or not, it's the elephant in the room. Yeah. Um I wasn't a part of it growing up, and uh, I believed in hard work, and you bust your tail. And I have pretty much told these boys as they come through, best man's going to be on the floor. I don't care who it is. And I've stood fast on that one. And I've that's come both ways. You know, I've had people come out to me and say, hey, you're letting some kid play because he's a board member's kid or a supervisor's kid or something else. Okay. So that kid starts and your kid ends up playing more minutes, but the starter is the one that starts the tempo of my game. He is, he's doing his job when he's out there. And I tell him, I say, hey, look, when you're not scoring, you better be rebounding. You better be playing defense. And then people look at me like, how the heck did you get that guy to play defense? Well, because he wasn't shooting well. And I tell him, and, and this is something I said to uh, one of our young players uh, over the past weekend, I told uh, Andrew Camacho, and I, you know, he, he's a he's an athlete, and when he when he gets after it, I think he's going to do good for us. He's just got to believe in himself. And I told him, I said, look, if you're not shooting well, or you turn the ball over, the one thing my coach told me back when I was 14 and 15, you turn it over, you miss a shot, you better get your butt back on defense. Mm -hmm. If you if you pout, you know, I'm just like I, I'm watching one of the best athletes to play basketball right now, LeBron. And if he doesn't get the call he wants, I've been seeing him lately walk the floor. And that just it just irks me because then that is what these kids are looking up to. That's 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 not right. Yeah. I want to see a hustle back, be the first guy back. And that's the that's the um I see that in Rondo still. You know, Rondo gets after it and, he, and he's not an all-star anymore, but he wants to, he loves the game, he's on the floor. But some people it's they get this sense of entitlement. And uh, I don't know. It's different. And you, you kind of almost answered the next question about the politics. Do you play them or do you fight them? I, uh, I open the door of my closet and I throw it in there as fast as I can. <laughs> and uh, I, will, I will do my best to... Um, I have an open door practice. Uh, you've been there. First mm -hmm. thing I do is open the doors. Um, even if it's in the winter. Most of the time it's in the summer because it's a hot box in there yeah. and it's 150 <laughs> degrees. And I kind of keep these kids from fainting. But 
Um, why is it that they don't have ACs up there? I, I just, I've never actually heard why. Uh, you know what? Last time I heard it had to do with something with the structures of the roof or I you know, couldn't carry the weight or something. I mean, I don't know. We, we took down like a five-ton a jumbotron out of the middle of it, but you know, I don't know. This I guess they, I guess they probably need somebody to faint first before yeah. happens. Yeah. So I don't know what. It's one of those that I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the kids out on the floor. And if parents, if a parent didn't like how I do things, or you know, I've had a couple go home say he's doing this to me, he's doing that to me, and hey, I have an open door policy. Come watch practice. The best thing that happens. And a coach will say, he goes, oh, man, so-and-so's at practice. Watch practice. He goes, great. And they're like, why? Because the kid's going to behave. <laughs> it's the best great. practices the kid ever has. Yeah. No talking back. No. Nope, none of it. And the parent gets to see why why his kid isn't uh, getting the minutes that he thinks he should when he comes home and complains about it. Huh? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that I've had numerous coaches and one prior pass coach that would complain about how I sell people. They're just like, he doesn't know how to sell people. He doesn't know how to work his bench. I mean, you've been there. I try to play everybody every game. And you've looked at me a couple of times like, what are you doing? I'm like, hold on. I have faced that this kid isn't just going to completely fall on his face. Otherwise, we wouldn't have him on the team. So let me play these 10 guys for a certain period of time and then throw in one of these guys like, Hey, what the heck? Where'd he come from? Well, you know what? Half those guys were the guys that won the won a section championship when they were freshmen, sophomores. <laughs> so, you know, it, it pays off in the end. That's some good stuff. So, if we ever get over this COVID and the season starts, um, you can exact some revenge on your fellow NSL opponents. Oh, yeah. yeah this, this one's... This one's due. <laughs> um, you know, we had a we had a tough last year. You know, it, we face Union, you face Liberty. Um, I mean, I don't mean to just throw it out there, but both years you got to recruit to beat Kerman. You have to. Kerman's homegrown. These kids are here from nine, eight, nine years old in our little hoopsters program, all the way into high school. And I mean, I've lost to Liberty, I think twice in my career. One of them had a 6'11 guy that went on to college to pitch, and the other one had to come from L.A. or Oakland or something. I don't know. Yeah. And, um, you know, then last year against Union, it was, again, you know, you bring in a coach, and, you know, Hooker's got a big name to him, and he he, he brought those players in, and they're athletic. Um, that's not to say we shouldn't have hung with them and beat them. Yeah. And one of the games was pretty darn close. And, uh, but... You know, that's something for the guys that were going out and the guys that are still here to learn from and, and come back and do what we got to do. Yeah, that's, uh, it'll be interesting. Um, where, what, what kind of uh, preseason are you going to have this year? Are you loading it up like you normally do? Or, you know, it, it's really hard to tell because early on when we were going to go back to the hybrid learning, people started scheduling tournaments uh, in December and that this is not going to happen. And these just that we're going to get pushed back even further. So I think a lot of people are afraid of even putting on a tournament right now because they don't know if it's going to be moved. If you know that raises the question of okay, so what happens if one of my players gets the Rona? Does that mean the whole team can't play? That will really screw up a tournament. 
Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I've got to sit down with our athletic director and, uh, and just kind of hash it out. Um, there's a few games that we have that are outside of our tournaments that, yeah, I, I, I don't back off because, you know, these, these are, these are memories for these kids and I'm not going to take, you know, I, we didn't dumb it down last year. And why would I take those five freshmen that I have now that are now sophomores and say, okay, now, now you get to play an easier schedule. No. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. No, we're going to play up, you know, we'll probably still be in the HIT. Uh, we'll be in the Clovis Elks and those are two tough tournaments. Um, last year, even knowing that we were going to be tough, I tried to get us in that Clovis West tournament. And uh, he balked at me and said, no, which is fine. You know, I, I don't need to come back to, to your tournament. I yeah. just thought, hey, if you need another team, we'll jump in there. I'm not afraid. And I think that gets instilled to the boys. I ain't afraid. Play anyone anywhere. All, I can only put five guys in the court. Yeah. And um, they're all human and it's, it's effort. Who wants it more? <laughs> uh, do you think people fans in general or the parents that are there watching the games that you know here at, at, at in Kerman do they mistaken the way you coach on that sideline your passion as oh he's an angry coach or he's just yelling at the kids because because they don't quite hear what you're saying they just hear the tone do you do you do you ever feel like that or do you not ever even think about that yeah there's times where over the years that you know I've known there's been a few that that don't care for how I do things, but um, there's a reason why a certain selective group of people sit behind my bench and and I know why they're there and I know they're there is because even in the hardest times, I'm still cracking jokes with the kids. Like this is this is memories. I mean I don't I don't at the end of the day I, and and we've had the discussion multiple times I'm here to grow men. And by growing men you grow winners. And uh, it is, it's, it's great with these kids and um, I enjoy it. And, and I have this look, my wife always tells me is I look pissed off all the time and I'm not, it's just my, that's my intense look that I, that I got from my father and like I'm, I'm focused in and, and then I cross my arms and I just stand there and I kind of got the legs a little shoulder width apart and I'm just got this stance. Well, some don't realize, man, that's my feet, my knees, my back. That's just my only comfortable spot. And most of the time that I'm yelling, it's I'm yelling a play. I'm yelling a defense. I'm not harping on a kid for not doing something because, you know what, I've seen those coaches. Um, I, I don't like it. I didn't want to be that person. Um, you know, I, I came from a divorced family, and you can sometimes get strung in between. And it's not the parents' fault. I mean, the parents all love you, but sometimes they were at each other. Yeah. And you know, you don't know what's going on in these homes. You know, a lot of these kids are, you know, you got two fan, two two parents working, and no one's there. And 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 some of these parents don't realize you spend more time with their kid than they do. So you know, one year I had a kid, a parent, just like you don't understand. You know, you're not on campus with these kids. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm with your kid four hours a day, four hours a day five days a week. How much time do you spend with them? Mm. I, I, I love your kid. And you know, that's, and that was crazy because that year we won the championship. That was the hardest. And it wasn't when we won the championship because I actually, when we were on the court in selling arena, I didn't even, it didn't even, we were, we were at war. That's all it was right there. That It was a battle. And I didn't even think about winning that game 
until about 23 seconds left in the game. I look down the side as I'm always looking for my wife. Where's my wife? And I look over and she is frantically almost crying like, oh, my God, he's going to do this. And and I'm saying, I'm not doing it. I'm just coaching these kids. I'm so excited for them. And that was a great moment. But what really hit me is when we played in Riverside and we lost. I mean, these kids looked at me and I broke down. I mean, I broke down right there. And it wasn't the fact that we lost. I spent my life with these kids. Yeah. You know, I do. And it's like they they had a good, you know, it's like, dang, I'm not going to have this kid anymore. You know, okay, well, I've got the, every year it's always like, okay, when we lost against Central Catholic that one year, what are we going to have the next year? I'm like, well, hey, I got these guys coming back, so I've got a core of them. But uh, that last group that I lost with, you know, of course, with uh, Tom Tom and and the two Russian boys, you know, I brought them all up as sophomores. And and there's some things I asked them to do early on, and people questioned me. And um, but that's how I knew they were bought in. And those 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 three and, and Daniel Rico his senior year, man, they would have ran through walls for me. Yep. That's good stuff, Coach. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, how do you want people to remember you? I don't. It's the kids. It's not me. You know, I want my son to remember that I, I was there for him. I was a, I was a coach of, of men, and I gave him the opportunity because at times I feel like in other sports, sometimes in youth, it's more about winning than it is growing the kids. You know, I think a lot of people don't understand that early on in their life, you, you just got to develop them, but you've got to develop them all. Yeah. And I don't remember who told me it. It said, look, you're going to have kids in, in the third and fourth grade that are fabulous. And they don't even play when they get in high school. That they're often they're often the band or, or or they're not even in school anymore. They transferred out. You can't always put your eggs in one basket, and that happens. That goes down to uh, when I'm invested in something, I'm invested all the way down, and that's my Achilles heel. So I mean, you've seen it at my little hoopsters. I I, I got to be out there in the middle of all of it, and that's just me. And that and that's I feel that's my product that I put out there, and. I want people to, rem I want players to remember me, how I remembered you know, Marty back in the day and how he did things. And that's not to say that we did bad with uh, a Richie, Richie and Gordon. They, you know, they did a great job with us. It's just, um, I mean, I was close to Marty because I was close to his father. I lived down the street from him. Yeah. So um, that mentality is what drove me. And I, and you know, one of the greatest things is hearing people that are on those senior interview boards come and catch me in the shoot of football and say, hey, I just had so-and-so that did their senior interview. All they did is talked about you. Wow. That's how I know I've done my job. And, and I've had at least one of those almost every year. And I'm like, wow. And sometimes it ain't the one you expect. And that's and that's the joy of it. You know, it's people look at uh, a kid I had last year, Eric, Eric Brar. That you would have seen him in junior high walking all bow legged, knock kneed. I mean, this don't this kid ain't gonna play hopscotch. <laughs> I mean, he led the NSL in scoring, and it was just because you you showed something into a kid the year before, like, hey, you're gonna get your chance. Just keep working, and and then that kid, you know, he was 
he was junkie. He, he want a basketball junkie. Hey, what do I got to get better? What do I got to do? Sometimes it got monotonous where he asked a thousand <laughs> questions, but he's like, how do I got to do this? And, and, you know, he did great. And then at the end of the year, he was done. Like, hey, you want to go somewhere to play? He goes, no, I, I did what I needed to do. And I'm going to go on to college and get ready in life. I'm like, exactly. So it's like, you know, and also telling these kids, you know, the way I want to be seen is like, hey, I was, I was fair. Uh, I'm not a favorite guy. Um, sometimes I told the line and I'm, and I'm honest with them. And you know, the parents, the parents, most of the parents uh, approve of that. And I'm, and I'm transparent. So there's nothing that I'm going to tell you or the guy down the street that I'm not afraid of him telling you. Yeah. So if it's something that I don't think I need to tell you to your face, that I'm not going to tell it to so-and-so. Yeah. Wife's off limits. She's different, but everybody else, you know, <laughs> I just be, I'd be honest. I mean, and sometimes that burns some bridges and sometimes it gains friends. Yeah. You got to wonder sometimes how honesty is the wrong thing to do in the society today. Yeah. That's tough. <laughs> well, other question is, I know you've gone through a hard time here these last couple of years. How is it going to be going into this season without Mike on the, on the bench. Yeah, that's something you've thought about or? Yeah, I knew you were going to go there with that one. That's tough. I was just talking to him today. Um, it's not as much uh, on the bench as it is going to be before the game. Um, afterwards, you know, he talked me through a lot of tough times. And, you know, there'd be times where I'd be frustrated and he'd just be like, F that person, you know, do this. And, you know, and, and that's why everybody loved Mike because Mike had no filter, um, but he had one of the biggest hearts. He was my best friend. And I told him, I said, you know, we're going to grow old together. And I tried to stay positive. You know, I, I knew, talking with my doctors that I work for, after... The second time they came back, you know, they were they were telling me in my ear, you know, he, he he don't have that long, you know, he's probably got three, four, five years um, at the most. And then the more he went through it, I just tried to stay positive for him. And it's hard because you know, not only did I lose Mike, I lost my dad. Yeah. And um, those are the two guys that you know. Now take it back. The, the one of the biggest people in my life is my grandfather. And um, that one is gonna that one's gonna turn me upside down. But outside of him, people in my age, you know, Mike was Mike was it. You know, and I have I have good friends in, in Backholden and and uh, Gasset and and yourself and Baby Off and and Lope and Dale and all those guys. But Mike's that guy that's been there since I was well, since I was about 19, 18, 19. And we started off on a rocky, rocky friendship. But you know, he was he was in my wedding. Um, my kids called him Uncle Mike. Uh, he called my 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 youngest son Cracker. Um, the hardest part about Mike not being here is not going to be my season. It's going to be my daughter's because he went to everything for her. Yeah. Um, I there was times where I'd get out of practice as fast as I could to meet him at my house so we can go watch her play. And 
her going all four years with him watching her play, I mean, there was times where he'd come down there and he was in pain. And after talking to doctors, I couldn't believe he walked in and sat down in those games. But if you if you see any yearbooks of her playing or, or volleyball or basketball, he's right there center court. And sometimes he'll embarrass the hell out of you. <laughs> uh, but I laugh. I mean, he would break the ice for me. And I mean, it didn't matter where we were. We could be in the HIT and he'd walk out on the floor. Yeah. He didn't care. <laughs> He's like, this is my house. <laughs> you just pay rent. Yeah, I, I, I definitely witnessed him give give a couple of officials the business, boy. And uh, and if you didn't pay attention when he called you from across the court, he made sure that the next time he called your name, everybody heard, <laughs> you know. Yeah. He was, uh, he's definitely, uh, I know he was a big fan of yours and friend and to everybody and, you know, a brother to to uh, a lot of people. You know, I'm going to miss Mike myself, especially sitting there watching the games with them and coming up with nicknames for all your players and, you know, <laughs> just hearing them laugh. But uh, he'll never miss a game, though. He'll no. be to every game. He went to everything. So... We're gonna play a little game that we call the word association. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say a couple of words, and uh, first thing that comes in your head, you know, you just go ahead and blurt it out. You ready? No. <laughs> okay. Basketball. My daughter. Family. My grandpa. Loyalty. You. Mentor. My grandfather. Greatest ever. Michael Jordan. Your wife. I love her to death. Your kids. Drive me crazy. <laughs> uh, KHS. Uh, I would say, in my feeling, it's, it's, my family tree, it's my my history. Like I said, my, my great-grandma came here from Texas, and so now my kids are fifth generation here, so it's it's a big deal to me. I didn't have to come back. Yeah. But uh, my mom's here, my grandpa, and matter of fact, I wasn't coming back, and it was my wife that saw the house out here and says, hey, we gotta go back out there. And I was like, okay, that's your call. It was her choice, <laughs> and, and we did. So yeah, I, I, it's history. I wanted to get back to it. I enjoy it. And uh, just depends on what way this state's heading. I don't know, I might be here another eight years. I might be off in Tennessee somewhere, who knows? <laughs> well, Coach Shirt, I'm glad you're here in Kerman. Hope you're here for another 20 years. I uh, hope I'm around another 20 years to watch, you know, four, five, six, seven more Valley Championships. You know, but I really do appreciate you coming on. And uh, I really appreciate you. You always have a brother for life. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank Thanks for everything. And that's a wrap on another Home Team Podcast. Thank you to all the listeners who tuned in tonight. Special shout out to our supporters. Kerman Subway Sandwich, located in the Kerman Plaza Shopping Center, open seven days a week for all your sandwich needs. Also, Kerman Car Wash, located in the Kerman Plaza Shopping Center, the only drive through car wash in town. And finally, Home Team Printing, 14 years of excellent service in Kerman. Contact number is 559-352-9259 for all your screen printing needs.